you inherit too much power. You have proven you can rule yourself. Now you must learn to rule others. Something none of your ancestors learned. My father rules an entire planet. He's losing it. He's getting a richer one. He'll lose that one too. Garbage in, garbage out. Hello, hello, all you gigalos. Welcome to Garbage In, Garbage Out. I'm your host, Kelton, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Grift. How's it going, buddy? Oh, it's great. Uh, saw the new Dune in IMAX last night on the, the biggest screen in the city, and holy shit, man, that was something. Like, I, <laughs> uh, I, I know we usually uh, uh, shit on movies and try to make them better, but I think uh, to sort of round out this season, it'll, it'll be nice to just have us both just like sl- like just slather this thing with praise because, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's just showing that uh, it is possible, you know, that it is possible to take an objectively bad and broken movie, fix it, and make something very cool. It makes, in a weird way, our podcast feel more worthwhile knowing that we could be pitching to the next uh, Denis Villeneuve, you know? Because um, we know we know the next great director is definitely listening to this podcast. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for I mean, sure. yeah. it, I, I, would, I would not be surprised, like, coming out of, like, our corner of Twitter or just, like, the associated accounts and, and pe- people building up their, like, outsider media presences. I would not be surprised in the future if, like, people actually hit it big because there's some real, real, real creative talent on our side. Yeah, there's one guy who's already claiming he wants to be the next Harvey Weinstein of left Twitter. <laughs> the success, <laughs> successful movies wise, not the other stuff, you know? Uh, that that aspect, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I only slid into her DMs because I uh, like. <laughs> I respected her as a poster. I wanted to see if she would join my indie film project where she has sex in a shower with a wolfman. Yeah, uh-huh. cool, cool. Yeah, uh, it's called trauma, so that way then it's not creepy. Uh, direct quote from James Gunn, I believe. Oh my god, uh, <laughs> man! The more stuff that starts to like leak out about how James Gunn. Acted uh, in, in his early days, the, the more I'm just writing off the entire trauma genre as like, a, you know what? I, I don't need to get it. I don't need to like it. Uh, it's fine. It's missed on me. It's a, it's a little bit like the Uncharted video games of where I've never played them, but cool. They're like Indiana Jones and Tomb Raider, but not awesome. That's enough for me. Fantastic. Well, it, it looks like the movie's going to resemble more the Tomb Raider films than the Indiana Jones ones. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if if yeah. anyone's yeah, seen that true. trailer. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, you know, Mark Wahlberg is doing some real uh infinite tier acting in that, so I, I can't hate on it <laughs> yeah. too much. You know, it it looks like I watch that, I'm like, yeah, that's gonna be a, a banger of an episode for us to talk oh, about yeah. later. <laughs> it's, it's it'll be it's the wild. sequel to the infinite episode, which I definitely mm-hmm. want to like the just the, the 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 team of us two, like Riffin, like it's good to get back to basics and just let's let's channel. The, the infinite vibe you know for the, yeah. for the for the upcoming format change we got it's what we want because uh yeah this is a uh, season finale so uh we're, next week we're going to be on break and the week after we are going to be debuting a new format but fret not everyone 
we'll uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that later if we remember. We probably won't, though. So just uh, follow us on Twitter. There we go. That's a tease. That turns laziness into productivity. I like it. Um, so th- this week, though, we are talking about uh, the 2021 release uh, Dune by director Denis Villeneuve, uh, which is, of course, a uh, adaptation of the Frank Herbert novel and just objectively better than the David Lynch film in, in every conceivable way. Uh, that- that's my review. All right. Done. Episode. Fantastic. Thanks, y'all. Boom. Let's for close coming. the book on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like in-, in-, in pretty much any metric you want to use, it seems to be a success. Uh, the-, the pacing is better. The effects are better the characters are more fleshed out i have an actual desire to want to watch the sequel so i hope the sequel occurs sooner rather than later and not in like 2025 or whenever the fuck it will probably wind up coming out um it didn't feel like a slog for me and i i really really enjoyed it that's kind of my my big picture take what about you grift yeah i'm absolutely there with you uh it was a success on pretty much every level considering that i think this bill book's been called like unfilmable before um just because of the massive exposition dumps that you need to do to make this story um make any sort of sense and we kind of got into that with last week's episode too but i think this thing did a great job of um showing and not telling the uh sort of expository heavy backstory that you have to provide um the the brutalist sci-fi visuals were incredible man dude the score Oh my, like, especially in the, the, the IMAX sound system, it, you, you felt the music and, and the vibe just in your bones. And it was, it was truly something to behold. And, and it really had this sort of like weight to it that in movies that try to be epic now, you know, the sort of like marvelization of, of, of every big budget action blockbuster where all the characters are quipping and there's this sort of like light and cheeky vibe to it. It's like, no, I was, I'm, I'm here for an epic, grand, sweeping, um, you know, sci-fi classic, and I they 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 swung for the fences on that, and I and I think they pretty much mostly succeeded. It, it's not just like a knock it out of the park. It's like a, a, I don't know what's a good comparison. It's like scoring five runs in the ninth inning uh, of, of just some like playoff baseball game. Yeah, I, I it's don't like, know what I might be drawing from. Yeah, uh, but, and, uh, and I, I got I gotta say, you know, I'm a little salty, but congrats to the Astros. The the Red Sox just fucking did not show up for the end of that series. So you know, we just had better cameras at the end of the day <laughs> yeah uh, they were both just... cheating back and forth like i think at one point <laughs> in one of the games there was like a light in center field at fenway that they had to investigate but i don't i don't think there was anything nefarious going on there but yeah, th- th- uh, yeah. this was like hitting a walk-off grand slam onto the railroad tracks behind lansdowne street at fenway uh these references will make sense if you're a baseball fan if not uh fuck you <laughs> yeah uh, someone's gonna be like oh yeah <laughs> sports ball go fuck yourself it's 2021 you know how baseball works you stupid fuck no, uh, no, it's, it's cool now for leftists to like sports <laughs> right? oh like, <laughs> i get it yeah sorry can't wait for them to glom onto that be like i watched squid game and i realized that sports are for me too oh <laughs> uh, god uh christ it, it's not gonna be a good time um one thing I I really wanted to point out, uh, just kind of before we dive into the plot and some of the differences that we enjoyed, was uh, discussing kind of the brain trust behind this movie, because I think so much of what makes the movie good started on the production side of things, mm-hmm. is that... 
And the 1984 Dune just had a troubled production for three and a half years. It was a slog to make. Everyone kind of had just a miserable time with it, whereas this seems to be a stark contrast. Uh, it's directed, edited, uh, I'm sorry, it's directed, uh, partially edited, partially written, and produced by, uh, of course, the director Denis Villeneuve. Uh, it's actually his first big production uh as a mainline producer so i have a feeling that since this is a hit he'll probably end up winding up being a uh, creative culture maker on the production side so i'm excited for that and then the other big name producer is uh, a woman who was involved with godzilla kong skull island <laughs> godzilla versus kong aka like the best non-dc franchise that warner brothers still has left so uh, it was an interesting mind melt of the two of them, I think, stylistically. And of course, uh, the director worked with Villeneuve on Sicario, Arrival. Uh, I'm sorry, on Sicario and Arrival. And then uh, one note that I thought was very interesting and proof that, you know, with the right source material, things can be good. The cinematographer who did uh, uh, Dune was the same one who did the Rogue One Star Wars movie, as well as was a uh, director of photography on The Mandalorian. So it, it, it made sense all of a sudden in my head uh, with some of these shots. I was like, oh, if Dune in 1984 was trying to be a Star Wars, but a grown up Star Wars, why wouldn't you get some of the people who left the Disney Mouse House factory, uh, but were quality cinematographers and just invite them over to try and make Dune instead? Sure. Yeah. I really enjoyed that aspect to it. Yeah. And like the, those ones in the Disney Star Wars canon that you mentioned, those are like pretty much, I mean, obviously Last Jedi is controversial. I've, I'm not too down on either side, but Rogue One and The Mandalorian are like two of the only like universally acclaimed um, Disney Star Wars properties that they, that they've made with that material. So it, it it makes sense. And it now that you say that the the visuals did like like this the space stuff did remind me a lot of of Rogue One. Certainly, I mean the guy knew uh, knew what he was doing at least, and so I'm just glad to know that uh, it's being dealt with uh, on an adult level subject matter instead of like here's a quirky talking robot for everyone to make an action figure doll toy out of a little bit later on you know yeah, uh, just the, I don't know. <laughs> i'm just picturing like you you give the the last skywalker team dune and then when when timothy Ch chalamet sees a guy riding on the worm he's like they ride now they they ride now they ride now like <laughs> hey you can still have oscar isaac uh delivering the same lines it yeah. works <laughs> You know, that's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone mentioned on Twitter, and I thought it was hilarious of where uh, Oscar Isaac over the past eight years has gone from being able to play 25 to now being able to play 50. <laughs> and uh, just, just, you know, credit uh, to the fact that, you know, I think he's in his like mid 40s now. So uh, it's very cool to see the wonders of makeup and hair dye uh, it, that exist. Yeah. And people no, are just I, now 
figuring out about it. <laughs> I, I saw that post too, and uh, yeah, it's 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 quite a quite an age range that he can uh, he can portray. And he he they 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 had him all like salt and peppered up in this one. Um, and definitely, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm he he had of, like a wizard yeah. beard going. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> and like I'm I'm seeing a lot of uh, thirst posting after him on the timeline. People like post. <laughs> there was some like back and forth. Someone like post a picture of him like just obviously like uh like be, be being like oh look how attractive this guy is and then someone was like this literally just looks like any iranian dude <laughs> <laughs> that that may be true but uh this is someone who is guatemalan but gets confused for being jewish so you know ethnically ambiguous i think is the most attractive feature of all when it comes <laughs> <laughs> to uh, the facial hairstyle, but I don't know. Uh, and when the, the scene takes place where he uh, has been stripped of his clothes and he's sitting in the chair, I was just like, "Well, this is a scene for the ladies." Yeah. Uh-huh. Like you've shown him to be a good dad. Now you get to show off those dad abs right before he dies. Like and I, I, you I, know what you're doing. Yeah, and like I, I, I don't know if you want to like jump into some of the differences between this one and the 1984 one, but I thought. Um, the the use of uh, him being sh- stripped naked by by the Baron and in captivity was like one good way to just show the sort of um, the the sort of like sexual body horror of the Harkonnen character without leaning into the ridiculous homophobic '80s stereotypes that the 1984. What? One no, come on. on. Yeah. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. Why? <laughs> what? God, what's that meme? Like, I know writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I I thought this one did a like the the Baron was incredibly menacing and oh just, my god, yeah, yeah, and like. The way they that that fucking like spider beast thing that he had like that just wasn't explained <laughs> that like gross like spider dog that was like eating with its like abdomen like just yeah just chilling it, it, there like just just like uh, I I think I saw someone do an explanation where like um it was likely that it that was like a human that the Baron had experimented on overdosing with spice um yeah yeah, yeah. oh god that that's probably true dear lord. Ah, uh, give me the sequel right now. Why did you not have faith in the Project WB? Film it back to back. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why would you do this to us? Oh, God. Um, uh, oh, I, you know, just before I forget again, uh, the, with the Baron Harkonnen, how he is portrayed in this new Dune movie uh, as being probably even fatter, uh, realistically, yeah. than in the 1984 Dune but not comedic at all and outright menacing. And I mean, it's just brilliance with the lighting and the score and then the performance all working in unison. Whereas the other one kind of felt like your coworker who slaps together a last minute Halloween costume and is kind of doing their best to try and act real quirky and funny the entire time to make up for it. Uh, it, It just, felt like uh, Stellan Skarsgård's performance was exactly the tone needed to show what this monolithic kind of 
character who's the head of the 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 second largest house in this universe would actually be like it felt much more realistic yeah like he wasn't chewing scenery like the one in 1984 like he was like part of the scenery and it all it all worked together and it just had this like coherent aesthetic vision to it that it like just Every every single like they they visually portrayed the houses in ways that like made sense to 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 show what the what the vibes were and you you could tell that the the visuals they were they were tuned perfectly and just the 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 brutalism of the sci-fi aesthetics like these massive ship facades that are just like like uh, flying uh, they they they, they kind of reminded me of those like the the sand people the, like the 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 uh, what's the thing in Star Wars the little guys oh the jawa yeah the like, jawa like, trucks yeah like Those, flying yeah. jawa trucks basically like yeah the the fact that all the spaceships were not aerodynamic yeah. or didn't really look like ships that, that was just such a fun factor because part of me was like hey why do they look like and then i'm like this is a movie where spice gets you from place to place so probably doesn't ultimately matter uh, how aerodynamic stuff is yeah. when uh, space cocaine is the thing that leads you yeah. to the promised land. Um, but but like, uh, but when when you need a ship that would be aerodynamic in form and function, like those dragonfly copters, they pulled it off oh perfectly as well. Because like just the, the 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 tech and the way they made the CGI have a real physical weight to it was mm-hmm. was something that most productions are not doing anymore. Like it felt like these were real like 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 um you know, they're obviously not living but just it felt like a living like breathing environment where the actual like physical ships and stuff it just felt like they had weight to them and that they would when they would explode there would be actual like concussion waves and debris flying around it wasn't like the consequence free marvelized uh you, you know just shoot up a city and there's cop car there's cars just blowing up everywhere but like people are just able to run away and there's like no effects besides like some flying glass or something exactly i mean the 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 collateral damage that you see take place like uh during the air raid sequence oh my god of what takes place i mean that was so visceral of where you it truly felt helpless as just the sky is raining death down on you you're like how on earth are they going to be getting out of this like this kind of seems like well it's the end for the old atreides household and then (laughs) um just seeing as people are dying and then people are getting burned and then running i mean as you were mentioning the explosions creating this uh echoing effect that lingers throughout the entire scene uh, and you witness character development occur during this because people aren't doing fucking quips the entire time. Like they're allowing the seriousness to permeate throughout the entire scene. So that way, then when you do see the Atreides fighters taking on the Harkonnens and where you realize like, oh, one member of House Atreides really is as good as four Harkonnen fighters as they established like an hour before in the film. It actually makes sense. They're showing, not just telling us. And I, I think that that's just kind of a uh, a real victory, I think, for not only the movie, but also the non-marvelization of epics as we have come to know them. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the way they just introduce like a... Um, 
like a, a sub, sub, subset of people within this world with like by by showing but doing it very effectively like when they were introducing the 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 Sardaukar legions like the emperor's troops there was just this like massive like um uh, launching ceremony where they just had a but like thousands of uh, uh, prisoners just like bloodletting and having their blood running into this trough and then they were putting the blood on their foreheads and marking them and it was like it was it, it was just such a great way to like introduce like oh yeah these are this is the imperial army that is is going off to war on behalf of the Harkonnens and just really um, the the palpable menace to it would just just set yes. the scene perfectly. Everything had been so clearly thought through. Nothing was improvised, it felt like, at least, because everything fits so perfectly together with the set, with the culture, with everything else that they that they get. <laughs> and it, it feels all the more impressive because I was convinced that even if this Dune movie was going to be good, I thought that it was going to wind up getting John Carter. And by that, I mean, John Carter came out before Superman and before a lot of other kind of comic booky sci-fi tropes had come into existence. And so when finally they decided to make a John Carter movie, it felt incredibly derivative because we had seen everything before. Yeah. And somehow they found a way to have new looks, new feelings, new vibes to, to, to use that word uh, for the entire film that where everything just felt fresh for me. And so, I mean, there are ridiculous things like the, the dragonfly helicopters that exist and then the poop suits, of course, but <laughs> no one's quipping about it. No one's making jokes about it or being like, oh, God, you stink. Or like, are you going right now or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's it's just showing you what the world actually is because it's, it's letting, believe it or not, the people who watch the movie make the jokes about the art itself yeah. versus the art trying to be like, ha ha. Oh yeah. No, we're just like you look at this crazy, huh? That's, um, that's a really good point because yeah, all the memes and all the discourse that are coming out of it is people creating their own content based on the, um, the, the like film itself, like the, all, all the worm memes and all the like, uh, just, it, it, the the uh, like obviously the people lusting after Timothy Chalamet and uh, of course yeah. of course yeah you know you got to have a little bit of lusting after the main <laughs> character that's fine um, it is also funny to me seeing the discourse start to take place about where of I don't know if I can take Timothy Chalamet as a traditional leading man in Hollywood it just seems like he's better if he plays weird uh characters with bizarre tics or people who are just insane types of character actors would probably be his uh, a better path for him to go down than strictly leading man territory and it has been a delight for the people who've read dune and know what happens to paul atreides so <laughs> i'm like no then that makes actually even better casting thank you so much yeah uh this works even better now um and just to just to it's highlight wild. some particularly funny posts and, and discourse that have come out of this, there was that one person who, this, this some blue check journalist, clearly was not familiar with the source material at all, but she was trying to like dunk on how the movie apparently like portrayed deserts as barren wastelands. 
And like, I just famous, famous barren wasteland Arrakis. Not at all the entire point. No, <laughs> that is what the Harkonnens <laughs> thought that the desert was. Uh huh. Okay. Did she also, you know, uh, uh, weigh about 400 pounds and float up to the ceiling uh, from time to time? No, uh, just she, I, don't, I don't think it was the same journalist as the one that was telling everyone to tighten their belts during uh, supply chain shortages. <laughs> 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 oh, God. God, uh, one thing that you know when people ask me, like, what, what's a, a like? Show me an image from Dune nineteen eighty four that you think is stupid that you think that Dune twenty twenty one has made cool, and the answer is those fucking body shields because that shit was dope. Yeah. I thought it was the stupidest thing when watching the 1984 movie, and now I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that actually seems pretty, pretty fucking sick across the board. It was a delight. Yeah, and the, the, the suits, you know, p- provided like a plausible explanation for why, um, I mean, this this goes back to the, to the book's lore, but why people are doing hand-to-hand combat far in the future, because I, I think if you like shoot a bullet or some sort of projectile at one of the suits, it creates like a uh, a gigantic nuclear sized explosion that would just wipe out everyone. So you literally have to get super close and like pass your blade in this certain way, like through the shield. And it provided a really good way. So you get some like just pretty fucking kick ass hand to hand combat. It really did. And then the, the guns that were being used uh like in the scene where you watch the doctor uh snipe out uh oscar isaac how he shot but then it's almost like a drill of a bullet that was trying to drill through the energy shield itself and i i just thought oh well of course that's how the technology would then operate it wouldn't bounce off and it wouldn't you know just kind of uh uh, try and move to laser weapons of some kind. Like you would try and develop drills that would just burrow in until it goes slowly enough to to bust in. And it's just fascinating how they made all of that make sense. And I I wish I could say like, oh, I'm just giving credit to the director to the production design. But it probably is them just reading the book and going, okay, now how can we make this cool? How can we make this actually appear on screen and make sense? Yeah, and like just the the the, the concept of a of a movie of a sci fi movie that actually has like um both like a coherent aesthetic vision with tech that makes sense in the world, but using it all to wrap like to 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 build the world and to to show not tell with exposition like it's just it was it was it was a master class in in that sort of movie making which you need to do for a, for a ridiculously complicated sci-fi epic with um you you've got fucking space witches you've got uh you 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 you've got uh oil that makes you trip balls like like it's hey hey you know it's a it's a tincture thing you know uh <laughs> if you know a guy it works pretty well uh yeah I, it, it's just fascinating one of the the criticisms i have seen that uh people have brought up about this movie seems to be that they want um a, a lower entry point because it seems like there's a desire t- for people to want a hero's journey 
uh, aka watching someone who goes from nothing to go to something, uh, you know, like the Luke Skywalker kind of journey. You know, he starts off as a farm boy, then he finds out he's the special boy. Like, whoa, so cool, right? Yeah. And I, I think that that's missing the point that this is not a hero's journey. Like, this is a god's journey. Like, he already has pretty much everything, but then he gets everything everything you know like it, you're watching someone who's rising up because it's it's one thing to watch someone go from obscurity and be plucked from it and then become told like now you're the, the main character you never want to be the main character on twitter but in, in yeah. the world of sci-fi <laughs> epics um, being the main character is a lovely thing um but but instead you know like uh to, so to find out that you're the special boy it might seem like it's giving you this awe or it seems to be like what every kid and narcissist on Twitter especially thinks that they that they want to be but instead what this movie does such a great job of showing with that scene with Paul and his mom in the tent of realizing like oh god like you are the special boy it all hinges on you wars are going to be fought in your name atrocities will be committed thinking that they are channeling you like you're watching like a super villain origin story more like and you're helpless to do this because that's what your life is and what the future holds in store for you yeah it's just fascinating and like i did i did see some criticism online it's like oh look we, we get another white savior narrative you know the the um the the uh, inheritor of a noble of uh, a noble house of white people comes to the desert planet to to rule over the natives and they're worshiping has a, a him as a god but like yet like yes you can track it along those lines if you're looking at the barest outline of the of 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 the plot but it's also explained how the reason that they're worshiping him is because of a uh like like um, political narrative like a like a cultural political narrative that that is being seeded into them by the Bene Gesserit like space witches. Exactly. So it's it's I, uh, it, it sort of flips it wild. on its head a bit and we're going to it's going to be really interesting to see in in part 2 or even if they keep going like how they they grapple with showing like oh yeah the 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 white savior messiah it's like no yeah you're watching a supervillain a a person who in this in the scope of this epic history dwarfs Hitler dwarfs the war like Genghis Khan like the worst genociders of history in the the scope of his actions and the deaths and the stuff done in his name and, and seeing the, the the drawbacks and and effects that it has on an individual so I I think it's more it's well way more complicated than just like oh we get another pretty white boy uh, you know, just saving saving the nomadic <laughs> primitive desert people you know yeah it, it, it's almost like uh the, they're trying to fulfill that narrative on their own and because it's almost like the movie goes out of its way to show that these desert people have incredibly advanced technology and are uh just entirely unique and their customs are different and so that it's all misunderstandings mm -hmm. like the the spit scene i thought was fantastic yeah, uh, yeah. where uh, javier bardem comes in and just spits on the ground and they're like oh my god oh how could you do that and then uh jason momoa mvp performance by the way oh, he's great. of this movie by jason momoa but yeah I, he's explaining what the custom is and how it is such a sign of respect to waste this moisture uh by giving it to someone you know like it, it just uh, it felt so right 
at least. Uh, they nailed the tone of it. Yeah, um, and, and just the, the little ways that they show the importance of water, like the the uh, caretaker of the trees explaining like why why it, they're wasting each tree is worth like 20 lives in its in its yep. water use and then that that little mouse that they showed that just that shot of its ears it's like it's thin webbed ears and the water perspirating on there and then it would get its little hands and then take the water droplets and put them in its mouth and it's just yes. it's just these little tiny little bits of world building that all together come to create this this picture which is it felt like you're watching a real fucking movie you know like, it's crazy crazy how this age? could happen you know like, uh well because there are those soft little moments that that build out such a rich tapestry of everything of what occurs in the movie because i feel like uh it's it's so easy to get caught up in the stuff like oh well you have a royal dad who likes desert power and you have mom who uses space magic and the force and all that but those little moments that bring everything into those the, just the tiniest of things like you said with, with the mouse and the water like that adds such a, a depth to this movie that I feel like uh, it wouldn't have. Or at the very least, I'm not going to say if another studio was making this, that then someone would make a joke about the mouse or something <laughs> or completely undercut it. Um, it or, you know, just like the mouse would then in a post credit scene, find an entire pool of water all by itself or whatever the fuck Ratatouille 2 Dune edition uh, ends up becoming. But um, it, it just it just felt like it, again, was given room to breathe. And I like that. Uh, what did you think about them blatantly laying out the, the foundation for why the Bene Gesserit were so mad at uh, Timothy Chalamet's mom? Uh, for making him a boy instead of a girl. Uh, did, did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. And, and that, like, I've read the first book in this series. So, you know, I was a little okay, familiar okay. with the way that works where it's like the boys typically don't have the powers. So, and, and women are more, are, are more, I guess, like genetically attuned to gaining the voice. And, and, and there, there's a reason that all the most powerful, you know, like Benny Jesuit mages or whatever you're going to call them are women. And he's like this unique individual as a boy. So it, it was like, it, it flipped that traditional uh, thing on its head where, you know, like there, there's a lot of movies now where it's just like, Oh, you're the, you're like, Oh, we're, empowering women and and because it, and we're calling out the fact that oh you can be just like the boys whereas like if you're actually gonna uh, like the an example of a movie that does that well is like the uh, the, the mad max fury road and Fur Fur furiosa's character it's like no this is just this is just a badass person who happens to be a woman whereas like in in and 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 this is like an an inversion of that trope with him with with uh, with, with Paul being a, a unique individual as a guy, but it, it like it it felt very true to the books, and I, I and you didn't even notice anything like out of place, and it just felt it felt natural, and it didn't like the whole thing didn't fit into any of the like cultural narratives that you see pumped through movies so much these days, and it felt like it it, it could it, it existed out of cultural time and place in a way that you know, the, the the classic movie epics all do. And, and it is fascinating to me because I think that this is a movie 
I mean, as with most art, it is always fascinating to see the people who ignore subtext. Like, uh, it'll be fascinating to see how they they turn like the right wing philosophy on space colonialism bad into like, uh, oh, actually, it's a good thing because uh, then they could help the Fremen and blah 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 or or whatever it would be. Um, but uh, it, it just was interesting to see there be this focus on like uh, with the Fremen, about how they've seen houses come and go from the area. But then we're also told about how the Harkonnens have been in charge for hundreds of years. It, so it gives a scope to what the Fremen are used to. Like They don't see things in a strictly year fa- yearly fashion, decade fashion, or even century fashion. Uh, it, it's just so much more cosmic yeah. as a level. Uh, to it than anything else, and so that that just uh, was a delight for me. Exactly, I, as I, well. and I, I think the I think if I remember correctly, they said the Harkonnens had been there for like eighty years or something. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, but but yeah, like the, the 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 Fremen have this. They are the true masters of the planet because they can they develop this technology that even these huge great houses don't have, and they don't know how it works. And they have that, like you mentioned, that concept of like desert power. Which like that 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 line where it's like oh we we have uh, on Caladan the Atreides had air and sea power but we need desert power like that could have been like that line I feel like in a lesser movie would be so fucking cheesy but then oh yeah because then Duncan Idaho would pull up like with a massive machine gun and be like I'm a fan of firepower yeah. myself <laughs> you know <it's> just- yeah. <laughs> yeah and then and then it comes back around where Paul sees the uh, Fremen riding the worm at the end he's like ah desert power and it's like it, it perfectly se- it whets the appetite for the for the upcoming part two which which by the way like to open to open your sweeping sci-fi epic where the sequel hasn't even been greenlit yet with part one that's just a fucking baller move like- yeah that is that is some some wild shit indeed uh that I think only works if you pull off a good movie because there are a lot of things that ter- come out as like part one of the blah 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 saga that end up falling directly on its face. Yeah. You know, like look at John Carter, for example, or uh, what what's another recent one? The Mortal Instruments or something like that. There, are, there are so it, many of those like a lot of like like YA fantasy lit too where they everyone was trying to be every, first everyone was trying to be the next Harry Potter and then everyone was trying to be the next Hunger Games and they were taking it uh established properties and trying to make series and so many of them fell flat on their face and never got a follow up um I'm really waiting yeah. for like what movies Dune is going to inspire because people are going to get the wrong message in a lot of ways. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Dune clones are going to be in about yeah. two years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you've already got the fucking Amazons, like what? They're doing Wheel of Time, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I'm not, uh, they're it's, they're that's trying to be get Game of Thrones weird. all over again. And it's like, I don't like, I, I know production photos always look cheesy, but like you're you're trying too hard here, particularly when it's been reported that like Bezos was like it was was like you you need to fucking give me the next Game of Thrones right now, and we need to do it, and it's just so forced. And uh, well, I mean, it, it is. Yeah. I like a legitimate question here. 
Like, how much money? Because, like, let's rewind uh, the Wheel of Time uh, just a little bit uh, to, like, five years ago. Uh, or I think it was roughly then um, where the rumors began, at least, about uh, Bezos wanting to uh, buy the Lord of the Rings as an intellectual IP. Mm-hmm. Uh, conversely, how much do you think he could have bought Dune for? Uh, that That's my question. Probably pennies in comparison. Like, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's just wild to me that this is the route they went with when there was this other property. Um, but it, again, it, it makes what Denis Villeneuve did that much more impressive to me. Um, just everything feels so incredibly rich. Uh, it's also been pointed out that this movie cost $50 million less than Black Widow did, uh, which is okay, just... Okay, uh, all right. Uh, uh, Disney and Marvel are absolutely cooking the books. I mean, may- maybe it has something to do with how much they have to pay their stars, and obviously there was the... Um, they the, had to the, just pay Scarlett yeah. Johansson. What other stars were uh, in Black Widow? That's true. I mean, she, she does have that whole lawsuit out over the, the fact that she yeah, wasn't... Yeah, they underpaid her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, 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 was, I was more referencing just, like, the crazy stories you hear about how much people in the MCU were getting paid because they were able to leverage their role as this character yeah. in this universe. And then... But, I mean, this had a fucking stacked cast. Like, this... There, were, there was just a lot of, you know... Familiar faces who are who are given really really like honestly pretty austere performances and with with but but it felt right like it it wasn't overacted they weren't no one was was chewing the scenery and was trying to make it about themselves they all fit as a part of the whole together because it's excellent casting it yeah. was like who is like a warm charismatic guy we know can work with clunky dialogue as evidenced by the latest Star Wars trilogy. Ah, Oscar Isaac, fantastic! You be the dad, very cool. Uh, who who is someone who can uh, play like a, a tough female character that is cheaper than Charlie's Throne, at least at the moment? Ah, Rebecca Ferguson, fantastic from Mission Impossible. Uh, th- th- this will be very good. We need someone who's like a charismatic, like guys guy kind of guy. What can we get? Uh, Jason Momoa, Aquaman himself. Yeah, you know. Uh, apparently- Apparently he himself. Asked, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have put that instead. Uh, he apparently asked uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, while getting ready for the role, like, do I need to have abs for uh, my character? And Denis Villeneuve was like, you're never going to have your shirt off, so no. And he's yeah. like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah, that was another thing, like, because they it, it made sense. They were always... They're always like uh, armored up, and and they they had their f- either fighting gear on or the Atreides family they had their royal attire on. There was there was no there's no reason for them to do any gratuitous ab shots or anything, or just people just because uh, uh, you know you know particularly I mean people talk about how uh, under sexualized and and uh, so, so sort of vanilla the Marvel stuff is, but a lot of those like. Captain America movies and stuff, they'll just have these gratuitous shots of them walking around like shirtless and stuff. And it's like, okay, we know who this is for. Like, this is. Yeah, that's th- right. Yeah. It's for the moms who drove everyone there. My <laughs> yeah. God. She needs a night to herself. I want you to just picture all those rock hard, dehydrated muscles all over you. <laughs> 
Oh, God. Well, I mean, you know, uh, also I've seen people, uh, so mild spoilers, I guess, for the series of talking about like, well, it's so sad that Jason Momoa is gone. And I didn't know this until I stumbled across it. But apparently Duncan Idaho like comes back in the book yep. several different times because mm-hmm. he's getting cloned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just love that. I I hope that they're able to keep getting Jason Momoa at the different points of his career that they want. Because, uh, I mean, he, he knocked it out of the park this time. He he was like a, like a Han Solo-esque character probably in terms of total screen time as well as like the actual vibe of where uh the joy came from the fact of he was kind of one note he rocked it out and then he he had a, a one heroic moment and that's all you needed yeah and just the the way that they contributed to his mystique by the um the you know the they were they were talking about the strength of the Atreides forces and the, you know the the Harkonnen's like oh but they're they're trained by Gertie Halleck and Duncan Idaho and you're like oh shit like we haven't even seen these guys in action yet and their reputation in the movie already precedes them and it's 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 a way to to build backstory it, 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 like that most movies would rather like just just straight up like like tell you and and beat you over the head with it but literally just little or they would use them as Worf. are you familiar with uh what what would happen with Worf on star trek no no i haven't seen any okay okay so okay well you know uh, good for you humble brag in and of itself yeah but um key flex (laughs) yeah but uh on the show at least in the 80s and 90s uh next generation uh was there he had a lot of other character elements don't get me wrong but in this particular case Worf was established to always be like a badass so that way then anytime they had a villain show up to show how badass they were they would just wreck Worf shit just <laughs> immediately <laughs> and so like uh it was established like the power level of the series and so uh i'm so glad that we didn't see uh gurney and duncan idaho like sparring with each other as then they're told about how good each one is and that's kind of it instead it's revealed as you were mentioning throughout the movie of where like they're able to take out two guys at a time and four guys at a time then like a hallway full of oh, guys dude, gotta love a you good know? hallway fight scene where yeah, like, you hear that Marvel? That's how you do a hallway fight scene. Yeah, My God. And, and just the way the combat, like the the not just the the um, you know dodging blows and parrying and striking, but the way that they would use their bodies to like kick their opponent's feet out from under them, and just these mm-hmm. like the, it, it it was it was this sort of like dirty like uh, martial arts style that felt both like very like trained and choreographed, but also very dynamic and. And anything could happen, and they were using body physics in a way that's, like, realistic and how someone who's in a life or death situation would would improvise on the spot, you know? And I really liked how the, the fighting styles were different, truly, uh, from each house and each people group. Like, the, the Fremen, the Harkonnens, and the Atreides, they all fought in slightly different ways to where then uh, it, it really did kind of feel like, depending on the situation, certain people would have a much larger upper hand than others. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, when the Fremen 
did the sneak attack where they were all hiding in the sand oh, dude, itself. The popping out of the sand. That was so awesome. And then it teased more for the future, too, because you had Paul's vision of the eventual guerrilla desert jihad that they were going to do of him leading the Fremen <laughs> uh, uh, against a Harkonnen uh, a spice mining force. And they're all like that shot of all of them jumping out of the sand in together in unison with just just the right of slow-mo. It was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, yep. You've never seen anything yeah. like this before. <laughs> Uh, uh, such a good movie. Uh, uh, I have to wait three years <laughs> until it comes out. Well, at least it's been confirmed. It's the they they greenlit the sequel, so that's good because I think it had the simul the, the best opening box office with a simultaneous streaming release. So they won on both yeah, fronts. There, they did everything they could to cut this movie off at the knees, but Dune kept chugging. By God, yeah. the <laughs> so... spice must flow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so good you know um the whole movie because like there are cheesy elements and there are campy elements you know like uh baron harkonnen operating on wishmaster rules where it's like ah he said i would keep your wife safe i would free her not that i wouldn't kill her you know like classic villain shit yeah like you know like it's it's has those characters so i i want to mention that when people talk about how well this movie is inaccessible like no it's it's really not like you just kind of got to be on board for what it is like and it's it's not asking that much of you it's letting moments breathe yeah. and it's gonna eventually at least my prediction is that uh david lowry the director of green knight i want him to direct the third dune movie when there's a worm emperor Ooh. that's what i want you know yeah. uh yeah green knight version of uh just a a, a worm going all around the desert Dude, that, it's the, the, when when timothy chalamet turns into a worm the memes are gonna go go off <laughs> like, invest in timothy chalamet worm memes you got to combine the two <laughs> it's uh it's called a parlay bet is what it is like it sounds like gibberish now but trust me it's going to be trending in about seven years hey we've, or so. we, we've all seen uncut gems we have at least a little knowledge of what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry I, I should i should remember that but um man man just just uh an amazing movie across the board. Uh, I feel it feels silly here for me to be saying this, but uh, it, it's the last question that we got to ask is, uh, is this garbage or is this not? It feels so stupid to have to say this. No, like, yeah, I think you already know what we're <laughs> going to say. Absolutely not garbage. The furthest thing from garbage you could get. I mean, if it were to have a fault, it's that it, it is very long, even though they only did part of the books and it's sort of the, it, it did have an a emotionally resonant climax where um, Paul finally had to, uh, he, he was fighting the Fremen in single combat and he finally had to kill and, and b- b- become a man and, and em- embrace his destiny as a mass murderer and a, a leader of a jihad. Um, yeah, crazy yeah. that they would want that emotional payoff to end the movie when they could have just done a sky beam. 
right? <laughs> yeah. like, that, that's what they, they should have done. Where, uh, uh, God, God, uh, it, it just worked. That's how you do a, a movie that ends with a one-on-one knife fight, David Lynch. Yeah, that's how right. you make a goddamn thing. <laughs> that's right, yeah, because the, the knife fight climax in the 1984 one, it was like both an incredibly cheesy fight scene and it felt tacked on at the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, like this was the emotional resonance you were trying to go for, where you know you're not sure what's exactly going to happen because uh, Paul Atreides has just had a vision where the guy he's having to kill is like, "I'm so glad we've become best friends. I'm going to tell you all about Arrakis," <laughs> and then he has to kill him. <laughs> oh God, you know? Yeah, um, and so I mean, it was. I think a challenge for them probably was definitely finding a good place to end it and, and cut this whole story off in the middle so you actually have a film with a with a traditional relatively traditional structure. But I think they did a, as good of a job as they could have with that. It really whet the appetite for the sequel and, and what what's to come, and it gives motivation for the the the, the characters to get revenge and to um to 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 come back from the the, the dark place that they find themselves in. Um, Absolutely, but it, it really yep. never dragged it into despite its length and it really kept you engaged and like you were saying like this is a movie you know you want to you don't want to be on your phone for this one you want to like shut your phone off get the biggest screen as possible in front of you and just let yourself like you know like like lose yourself in this thing i hesitate to use the word masterpiece uh because you know uh, i think a lot of it can be subjective but i think this is the platonic ideal of what a Dune movie part one could be. Like, I don't, I can't imagine a better part one Dune movie existing than this. So I mean, for an unfilmable book, they, they sure as fuck filmed it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, Oh, Lawrence of Arabia in space meets game of Thrones. Sure. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Uh, and wouldn't you know it? Like they 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 pulled it off. By God, um, <laughs> yeah. Th- this this movie is definitely not garbage. I mean, I would probably hesitate to say, but I mean, because uh, I don't want to be jumping the boat entirely or jumping the gun entirely, jumping the gunship entirely. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Know. I, I don't I, pick your metaphor here. Uh, but I mean, I think that this is probably my favorite movie of 2021 so far. I mean, it, it's right up there like with Green Knight for me in terms of like a, a, a movie that I felt so happy to experience. Um, yeah. And so, oh, yeah, I, I to- absolutely agree. Like I, I'm trying, I can't think of anything besides those two movies this year that actually felt like real competent productions and are going to probably stand the test of time. Yeah, can't wait for us to have the same opinion about Marvel's Eternals coming out in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get ready for Gleep Glorbing Kingo. One of those names is made up, and it's not the one you're thinking. (laughs) Let's let's get ready for uh, for a druig or whatever. Oh, God. Uh, It's just... It's it's so sad, because that's a Green Knight alum right there, you know? Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah. He was- Good for him. Get get that money, man. You know, yeah. uh, so that way then you can you can be in Doom three and uh, go fight a worm or something, man. Rob, Just, Rob uh, Stark, get that get that Marvel money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> bleed him dry is, is all I can say for it. So. 
that and uh, enjoy a Marvel movie that does not play in China. Uh, so we'll see how that ends up faring. Speaking of movies that probably won't end up getting sequels. <laughs> so, we'll oh see. Oh my God. Yeah. And just poor, poor uh, Kumail, like just dude, like uh, transforming his body into this like hulking steroid beast. And then he's just in a CGI costume the whole time. You know what? If you're going to be fourth build on like a, a, a sci fi epic, I think Jason Momoa showed everyone the right way to do it. Yeah. You know, like for, like the the two career paths, yeah, I think for Camille. For, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes me uh, have hope for there to be like a you know an, a slightly out of shape Aquaman. I say, <laughs> knowing Jason Momoa is probably like a hundred times more athletic and more in shape than the average American. <laughs> and, uh, so him on his cheat days but uh let, let's slide over on into plugs as we wrap things up uh what's happening in the shop grift uh it is halloween week i got a uh surprise uh collab coming soon with a with, with a poster who has done some previous work with the shop so excited about that uh i got a, i got a spooky joe biden shirt coming too so that should be fun um you know gotta gotta take advantage of the season while it's here <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things of where uh, people don't seem to celebrate Halloween on like November 3rd or something. It's very weird how there's like an entire month of lead up and then immediately after it's like, okay, it's Thanksgiving time, time to put on Hallmark, wear either red or green sweaters and start uh, looking forward to family coming over and annoying us. So yeah. uh, one one big blowout. It's going to be a blast. Time to put on the warm uh, Christmas hat. <laughs> Yes. See the pivot point. It begins. I like it. Um, let's see. As for the podcast, of course, follow us on Twitter and Letterboxd at Giggo Podcast. I uh, recently added on several of the movies that we covered uh, on on the show and have talked about, and so I, I feel like I'm more or less caught up in that way. So I feel pretty happy. And then uh, also feel free uh, rate us five stars on iTunes and Spotify. Some people have said, "Hey." I can't see where I can access the five-star rating on Spotify. And to that, I say, well, it's not my fault. They they only are rolling it out to certain people yet. Maybe stream more Drake, and then uh, they'll <laughs> give you access to rate something five stars. I don't know. Everyone listens uh, to, to weird shit, I can see, based on the analytics. So, um yeah, it's going to be weird. We're taking a, a Halloween break, celebrating All Hallows Eve, and then we're going to be back with a new format. We think uh, everyone's going to enjoy it. Uh, of course, we're still going to be talking about movies from time to time, but uh, what just a, a wonderful way for us to end this season on. I am I am so just happy and excited, and uh, it, it's only downhill from here. Yeah, I, I hope they enjoyed us uh, just slathering this thing with praise rather than just shitting all over it and rewriting the entire script, which usually is what we end up doing for these. But uh, uh, How can I rewrite that which has been amazingly written? I can't. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, uh, well. uh, that and also like if, if you ever, uh, hey, Denny, we know you're listening. If you ever want someone to punch up your script, Grift and I, we're available, you know. 
Uh, we we can uh, add a whole B story plotline about supply chain issues <laughs> with spice that take over. You know, yeah. we, we know you're a fan of it. So. Yeah, if you if you My if God. you need us to point out uh, rising milk prices, uh, we're we're, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make a Gigo account on Fiverr. No, no, we're we're saving that for Star Wars. It's the the rising cost of blue milk. <laughs> yeah. uh, that that's what those little piss piggies like yeah. is jokes like that over and over again so <laughs> but all right let's say goodbye peace deuces